Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name's Rich. Didn't quite get that. Um, it's lovely uh, to have you all here. If this is your first time at Rev, um, you are very welcome. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. It's great. We've been working through a series um, as a church, um, looking at the parables that Jesus told um, throughout the Gospels, throughout um, the four accounts of Jesus' life. We're focusing particularly on Luke um, and looking at the different parables that Jesus told. What is a parable, some of you might ask. A parable is essentially a story with a point. Um, Jesus told a story that had a specific point that would meet a specific need. Very often what you would see with Jesus is he'd be um, out and about um, teaching, he'd be healing people, he'd be um, doing all sorts of things um, to love people, to serve people. Um, And then along the way, um, he would interject his teaching with specific parables that would tell a point, um, that would tell a specific, um, uh, uh, if you like, highlight a specific aspect that he particularly wanted to focus in on um, and help uh, draw their attention to um, as he was going. And today we're going to be in Luke um, 12. Um, So if you've got your Bibles, then please do turn there. It'll come up behind me um, on the screen. Um, And we're going to be looking um, at what is quite a tricky uh, parable, really, um, in that it's really quite provocative. um, And we'll look at a little bit why in a second. Um, But essentially, um, it's talking about about money. It's Jesus teaching on money. Um, And Jesus teaches a lot on money um, throughout um, his ministry as he goes about. Um, He does a lot of uh, teaching about money. Um, But this passage in particular is actually where he he, he becomes quite um, provocative. Actually, not necessarily that controversial, as we'll see, um, but incredibly provocative with his um, listeners. Um, And uh, essentially, where we get to um, today is that that, that actually what Jesus is looking to do um, and, and is to cultivate within the people um, a richness or a generosity towards God. Ultimately, that's what he wants to do. He wants to, he wants to point people to God and say, actually, you can, you can be generous towards God um, with the way you handle your money, with the way you handle your finances. Um, and so really what he's doing is he's trying to cultivate in his listeners um, an attitude um, of generosity towards um, God. He's trying to cultivate what you might call um, a kingdom um, attitude, something that doesn't necessarily um, fit with a worldly perspective of money, um, but fits with, if you like, a spiritual perspective of money and possessions. Um, And so uh, money throughout um, the Bible, throughout the New Testament, um, uh, to be honest, throughout history um, has proved to be both helpful and hazardous. Um, it's proved to be helpful um, in that we use money. It's the basis of um, our economy. It's the basis of, of, of a lot of um, our day-to-day um, in terms of transactions. It's what we ascribe value to um, and things like that. It, it's what we essentially... Um, it, it's essentially a vehicle that we, we kind of live by, really. Um, and in that 
sense it can be helpful because it helps bring order, it helps bring um, um, kind of direction, it helps bring, if you like, society to a point where actually we can um, trade with one another, we can um, exchange for goods and services and all of those sorts of things. Um, And when we talk about it in a church context, it can be helpful as well um, because we can invest in the kingdom, we can invest in what God's doing um, and things like that. But it can also be hazardous. Um, in that actually there's, there's many warnings, and we'll look at one today, um, throughout scripture um, where money um, is warned against as a potential pitfall, as an obstacle that can cause us to stumble, as something that can get in the way or tarnish or, 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 or kind of taint our relationship with God, um, if you like. And so as believers, as Christians um, living in 21st century London, uh, economic powerhouse of the world or whatever, like that we, we, we have to think about this, right? Because it, it was surrounded by this world um, that is driven, that is motivated um, by money. Um, but first, first of all, before we even get into our passage, we have to understand um, that actually money um, is a vehicle for us um, that allows society to function, um, that allows us to operate um, uh, on, on, if you like, on a, on a worldly level, on a human level. And we see right back in um, Psalm 24, um, at the beginning of Psalm 24, um, in verse 1, um, it says uh, that the earth is the Lord's. Um, if I can find it quickly. Uh, it says in Psalm 24, um, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. It's all God's. It's all God's. He created the world, everything within it, the constructs within it, the morality within it, the consciousness within it. He constructed it. He breathed his life into it. The world is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And as believers, we've got to understand that because society will tell us something completely different. It will tell us something completely alien, as we'll look at um, in a second. And actually then, as believers, everything we have, everything we own, everything we possess, everything we might attribute to ourselves, our wealth, our whatever, our, comes from God. It comes from him. Um, and, and we, as believers, steward um, according to how he has apportioned. And we do that wisely, and we do that in a way that honours him. Um, we might invest for a return um, so that we can bless others. Um, but at this point, we come, into the, we come into our passage. So we come into Luke 12, um, and we're going to jump in at verse 13. Um, and we're going to do the first uh, couple of verses uh, where Jesus has an interaction with somebody. Um, and then off the back of it, he tells this parable to a crowd. Um, so there's one person um, that raises a concern, one voice, um, and he responds to them. And then he take, essentially takes a step back and then speaks to a crowd um, that's around him. And so in uh, Luke 12, verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I'm going to read that again. Um, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, 
take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning uh, you would help me open up your word, um, and Lord, you would help me to communicate it with clarity. Um, Lord, I pray that you would help me um, to communicate your heart. Um, Lord, that as we read these words on a page, um, Lord, that we do believe they are living and active. Um, And Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying. Lord, we pray that you would give us humility of heart, um, Lord, to submit ourselves um, to your word, um, Lord, and to honor you um, and allow ourselves to be convicted um, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would continue um, the work of transformation in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so this man comes to Jesus um, and um, makes what seems to be quite a fair request. Um, My brother's withholding inheritance from me. Um, Can you help me out? Um, It's quite common to approach somebody that was of standing within the community um, in the hope that they might advocate on your behalf or they might step in and help or they might mediate in some way. Um, So it's not necessarily that surprising that this happens. I guess what is surprising is Jesus' response, really. Um, He says initially to the man um, in his response, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Um, You see, what Jesus is doing is is he's kind of deflecting um, the question. Um, We don't know the backstory to this, but Jesus is kind of deflecting the question. Um, And essentially what Jesus is saying is, actually, my mission um, is not about settling these sorts of disputes. My mission is actually slightly bigger than that at the moment. And therefore, my priorities aren't necessarily so caught up with this dispute. My priorities lie elsewhere. And as we'll see later on in the passage, Jesus' inferences so should yours be. That actually your priority should not be getting what is fair. You see, not fair and just aren't always the same thing, right? Um, but we'll leave that for one side of the second. What Jesus is doing is essentially saying, my priorities um, at the moment aren't, aren't necessarily about settling your dispute. And neither should necessarily yours be. There's something else going on. Jesus can read into the situation. He understands the man's heart. He knows why he's asking. He knows where that question's coming from, where that um, pain and hurt is is coming out of. And then, if you like, Jesus steps back to the crowd. um, And he said to them, um, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. covetousness, um, For one's life does not consist in the abundance um, of his possessions. You see, he can see right into this man's heart. And so Jesus, instead of judging in this instance, just takes a step back. He takes a step back um, and, he, and he uses it as an opportunity to teach. And he can see that this man um, has been seduced by something. Um, who knows that in our society, money talks. We use that phrase. What we mean is, if you have money, it will buy you access if you have money, people will, will show you preference. If you have money, people will honor you. They'll esteem you. They'll respect you. And, and that's true all around us. You only have to be in the workplace to recognize that. Right? When we look at the, the, the difference between how people treat bosses, how they treat colleagues, how they treat um, people in their team, all of those sorts of things, we start to see those things being played out. 
And yes, there's other factors, but, but, but primarily our society is built um, around, if you like, a hierarchy um, of money. And what does money offer? If money talks, um, it talks not just to other people, but it talks to us as well. And we might not realize that because we live in a culture that doesn't like to talk about money. Um, I know, recognize some of you probably don't come from that background, um, but if you're like me, um, you probably uh, grew up not really talking about money. It wasn't really spoken in great detail um, around the house. Um, and, and, and so nobody really likes to talk about it. It's not polite, uh, if you like. Um, and, and so all of a sudden, money, which does talk, isn't spoken about. And so that silence, if you like, almost breeds or feeds, if you like, a, a platform for, for, for whatever money wants to say into situations just to be able to get away with it. And it will just keep going. And money, money talks and money feeds to us lies. It tells us all sorts of things. It tells us how much you're worth. It tells us what value um, you have. It will tell us um, that you can have peace and security if you have money. It will tell us that, that, that you can be happy, that you can, like, you can live an easy life. You can just kick back and relax. It will tell you that you haven't got to worry about anything else. And the interesting thing is, actually, if, 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 that there's so many people that, 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 that on a worldly level have money, right? They look successful. And one common thing that always comes back around is it's never satisfying. It's never enough. It never fulfills. It never delivers on that promise. And so you see, it promises to us, but never actually delivers. It's completely unfounded. It's funny, isn't it? In um, Mark 4, where Jesus tells another parable, um, the parable of the sower, um, he, warns, he warns them against the deceitfulness of riches. He said that deceitfulness of riches grows up um, and chokes the word of God and makes the plant unfruitful. Talking about you and I. Um, that if we allow ourselves the deceitfulness of riches to get in, it will choke the word of God and cause us to be unfruitful. That, that's from Mark 4. Um, and so it's so subtle um, that it just creeps into every area. And I'm always, I'm always surprised how, how much I listen to those lies. I'm not, I'm not ex- exempt from this. I'm in the same boat as you. And actually, very often, I struggle with the same things that you're probably thinking, well, you don't know about this. Well, actually, I probably do. <laughs> Just because we don't talk about it as a culture, there are still situations that we face that actually we, we, we do have to cling to God in and say, God, I can't do this on my own um, and rely on his grace. And then Jesus says, um, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So if it doesn't consist in the abundance of your possessions, so if it isn't about how much stuff you've got, if it isn't about your material worth, if it isn't about your material gain, um, then what is life? What is your life? If these promises, if this inheritance, if it doesn't deliver, um, then what does deliver? Well, the reality is from scripture, we see that only Jesus can deliver. In Jesus, we find what the Bible calls true riches. 
In John 10.10, Jesus said, I've come that they may have life in all its fullness. That's where life comes. Life doesn't come from um, money, material possessions. Life comes um, from abiding in Jesus. And you see, the problem with the world is that, that, that we, we've turned away, we turned away from God. The Bible calls it sin, that we ignored him. And like this man put his confidence in the abundance of possessions, we put our confidence in other things. And for a lot of us, I would imagine that probably was the abundance of possessions. But actually, if you're a believer here, then what's happened is you've, had, you've done a kind of complete 180. So your confidence is no longer in the abundance of your possessions. Your confidence in now, is now in Christ. You're not looking for riches to provide life. You're looking for the richness of Christ to provide you with life. You see, it says um, in Romans uh, 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. You see, this turning away from God, this putting our confidence in money, this confidence in possessions, actually leads to death. So the wages of sin are death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That by putting our trust in Jesus, we can find um, true life, eternal life. And how do we access that? Well, it may be that you're sat here today and... Um, you're not a believer. Perhaps you wouldn't say that you're a follower of Jesus. Perhaps you are crushed by money. Perhaps you are um, thinking, well, I've put my confidence in this thing and it doesn't deliver. Perhaps that's your experience. Well, today is an opportunity for you to repent, to turn away from that, to put your trust in Jesus, maybe for the first time or maybe for the second, third time, to come and put your confidence in him and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life. I'm going to surrender all that I have um, to you. But you see, if money talks and it whispers to us, then even if we're believers, we're constantly being fed these lies. Constantly being fed. And, no, and in, in, such a, in such a materialistic culture, we, we just don't realize what we're feeding on. We just don't realize the, the voices that are, that are um, crowding in. And so maybe you are a believer and you've been seduced by the love of money. You know, you would hold your hands up and say, that's me. And this morning you would say, actually, my priorities are wrong. Actually, all I want is, 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 is to be able to meet this need, to be able to pay off that debt, to be able to, to live um, in abundance, to be able to live uh, without that um, and if I can just get rid of that, I'll be fine. But that's completely unfounded. It doesn't deliver life. Only Jesus delivers life. That is the deceitfulness of riches. Uh, perhaps you're in your workplace and you're, and, and, and you're seduced by climbing the ladder. You're seduced by the, what, what power and influence would mean in your workplace. Perhaps you're seduced by that, that, that desire to, to, to gain more status for people to look on you more favorably. And we see, just like that man, Jesus tells this parable to the guy. To the guy that comes and says, Give, help me with my brother. 
that he would give me the inherit that he would give me my portion of the inheritance and Jesus would come and he would tell this parable to you too and he'd say what well, we'll read in a second but he would say you don't need to put your confidence in those things come and put your confidence in me and so verse 16 let's read the parable together And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, "Ah, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool. This night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so let's look at this, let's look at this logically. Let's look at this, this parable logically. Um, you've got a guy, he owns a field. Uh, he uh, plants grain. Um, the grain, uh, he harvests it, um, and he harvests bountifully. He gets a lot back. He invests the grain, and he gets a huge return. Um, this huge return, he thinks, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do with all of this? And so he decides, well, I know what I'll do. I'll just build bigger barns. I'll build a bigger store. I'll build somewhere bigger so that I can just put it all, and then I can kick back and relax and live off the good of my investment. And I can uh, just live a good life, I can eat, drink, I can relax, eat, drink, um, and be merry. That's what he says. And you might think, well, I mean, you made a pretty wise investment. That's a pretty sound plan. Why, why would that be a problem for him to then live off the good of a sound investment? And so why does Jesus call him a fool? Because seemingly he's done pretty all right for himself. And there are probably people in this room that you're doing all right for yourself. But actually, just by building a bigger barn, it demonstrates something in his heart. It demonstrates something um, that's not quite right. See, Jesus doesn't criticize him for the investment. Jesus doesn't criticize him for taking the opportunity. Jesus doesn't, like, Um, have a go at him for reaping bountifully. You see, Jesus isn't actually concerned with how much or how little, which means wherever you're at this morning, Jesus isn't concerned with that. He's concerned with your heart. He's concerned in this passage with the man's response. The man's response is, well, I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all of my grain and my goods. You see, his response to having plentiful Um, is that actually he looks to store it up, line his own pockets, um, and basically kick back and relax. That's it. Do nothing. Eat, drink, have a good time. It's essentially selfish motives. He's looking to feed his own needs. Um, He's not looking to the needs of those around him. He doesn't even consider um, probably the hundreds of workers that would have had to harvest um, for him. He doesn't consider any of that. He's only thinking about his own personal gain and his own personal, um, uh, if you like, uh, kind of benefit out of it. And to be honest, I'm, 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 I'm shocked how often I do it. 
well, how's this going to work out for me? How good is this going to turn out for me? And actually, it's just selfishness. It's just selfishness, wanting to kind of line, line, line your own pockets, um, make things good for yourself, um, so that you haven't got to work as hard as perhaps you did, so that you haven't got to invest as much as you did, so you haven't got to keep giving, 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 that actually you can take a break from all of that. And Jesus, Jesus calls them fool. <laughs> it's interesting because um, right at the end of this uh, part where he says... Um, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Many commentators think this is a reference um, back to uh, Isaiah 22. Um, It's it's not exact. It doesn't necessarily say that Jesus is quoting Isaiah 22, um, but there's a pretty strong parallel. Um, And if we have a look in Isaiah 22 uh, uh, and verse 13, um, he says... um, uh, right at the end of verse 13, it says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And they think that, and commentators think Jesus, when he was saying this, was inferring that second part. That actually the guy's saying, hey, look, let's just relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Let's have a good time. Because tomorrow we die. And then Jesus says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. You see, this selfishness, this, this not being rich towards God, this laying up treasures um, for himself, essentially uh, leads to death in this parable. This looking to line his, his own pockets. God says to him, fool, your, your, your soul is required of you. But actually, by investing our riches, by investing our energies, by investing our possessions, by investing um, all that God has blessed us with into Christ Jesus... There is eternal reward. We can find eternal life in that. Where the riches of the world and our confidence in the riches of the world leads to death, our confidence in Christ leads to life. That's the truth held out in the gospel. And so what does it mean, this last sentence, for us to be rich Towards God. It's kind of a bit of a funny, funny turn of phrase, especially if we think about what we what we spoke about right at the beginning, that actually the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, that everything is his, it's all his. And so what does it mean for us to then be rich towards God? Because surely if that's true, that the earth is the Lord's and everything therein, and he gives according to his grace, then all we have is his anyway. Well, to be honest, that's, that's the logic. And so actually a richness towards God is a freedom with our possessions, is a freedom um, with our money, is a freedom um, with things to be able to give. Grace that equips us to give. You see, first of all, we've got to fix our perspective. We've got to fix our perspective. We've got to understand that actually all we have is what God has apportioned to us in the first place. That's why we take up an offering every week. Because it's good to give. It's good to sow into what God's doing. It's good um, to give out of the generosity and the blessing that God has blessed us with. And if you're not a believer here, 
then that perspective isn't in place. You, you, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. So you, you, you haven't, if you like, put yourself under scripture. So how can you see that the earth is the Lord's and everything therein? And if you are a believer, then we have a responsibility to that. And I would just say to us um, as a church, many of us uh, are um, demographically at the younger end of the spectrum, um, which means we are um, a young-ish, younger church, however you want to phrase it, whatever. What that means is uh, many of us in the room, not all of us by any means, but many of us in the room um, are in the processes of starting out in life, if you like. Following on from our 20s into our 30s, we're starting to invest in what we feel God's given us as a vocation, what he's called us to in life. And so we're in very embryonic stages. And the reality is it's much easier to be putting biblical principles and foundations into our lives around money, around finances, around our possessions now than in 20, 30 years time. It's so much easier to do it now. And so we've got to, we've got to take this charge seriously. Um, because actually as we do that, um, there, is, there is an abundance of life that comes as a result. We're going to jump to um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9 quickly. And we're going to jump in at verse 6. Uh, sorry, it won't come up behind me on the screen. Um, we're going to jump into verse 6, um, and we're going to go through to verse 8. Um, and so this is Paul writing um, to the church in Corinth, um, and he says the point is this. I kind of feel like he was summarizing this parable, but anyway, um, <laughs> he wasn't. But uh, anyway, jump in verse 6. Um, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound um, in every good work. And I think as a church, we've, we, 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 we come back to this passage time and time and time again. And the reason is because it's such, a, it's such a beautiful picture of stewarding God's resources in terms of how we give, in terms of what we sow into. And I, I, I'm not talking just about what you might give monthly to the church, although that's important. I absolutely believe that. Um, and, and, and if you are a believer, wherever your local church is, you need to give. You, you, you absolutely have to give. Um, but that's, if that's not here, that's fine. But wherever you're invested, wherever you're giving, please give. Um, but essentially, what, what, what he's saying is, what, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. That actually, as you give... With what you give, the measure with which you give will essentially be given back. If you sow sparingly, you'll receive sparingly. If you sow generously and bountifully, you'll receive bountifully. That's the, that's the biblical principle, um, particularly when it comes to stewarding God's resources and how we give. 
And then verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we give gladly. Nobody's going to lean on you to give. Nobody's going to force you or back you into a corner. But you've got to submit yourself to scripture. You've, you've got to come under the lordship of Christ and settle in your own heart. What are you comfortable to give? What are you comfortable to be able to sow into the kingdom and be able to do that cheerfully? And then verse 8, what an incredible verse. And having given, having given out, having sown, having um, let go of these things, having given to somebody in need, having taken time out to invest in somebody, having um, just invested all your time and energy and money and or possessions into something, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that's a lot of alls, um, you may abound in every good work. This is good news. (laughs) That actually as we give, as we give freely, as we give generously, as we give gladly, as we give by God's grace, he causes us to abound. He supplies all that we need. And so I guess there's, 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 there's one real question, big question, um, that I have for you today. Um, and that is, how does your stewardship of all that God's blessed you with, how does your stewardship reflect a richness towards Christ? If I were to look at my own bank statement, I'd probably be pretty ashamed, to be honest. Just being honest with you. <laughs> right? How does, how does the way I steward what God has blessed me with, how does that reflect God's heart of generosity? Right? Because he wants us to live abundantly. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. So... Um, I think as a, as a culture, as a church, we've got to start talking about this more. Um, whether that's in running partners, sharpening one another, or in gospel communities, whether that's meeting for meals, whether that's um, just sharing time with one another, dream with one another, um, just spend time with one another, um, challenging one another, sharpening one another. Um, that's, that's what the church is for. God gives us one another um, to be able to do that. You see, we give out of out of a heart of grace, a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanks for all that Christ has done um, for us. Um, And I just want to finish with a couple of testimonies. Um, Sadly, they're not my own testimonies. Um, But being one of the pastors, I have the wonderful privilege um, of hearing a lot of people's testimonies. Um, And so a friend of mine, um, who was a student at the time, um, was just reading his Bible um, and uh, and and just was God just revealed to him the wonder and the joy of giving. Um, and he was a student at the time. He had a student loan um, which covered everything. Um, and so what he decided to do, uh, he wanted to give, um, but he didn't feel peaceful about giving from a student loan because it was a loan because he'd borrowed that money um, to get him through university, and he didn't want to give. Um, 
out of a loan, which is fair enough. And so what he did was he, he took a part-time job, um, and then any money that he earned from that job, he gave it away. Just because he wanted to find the joy in giving. What an incredible testimony. That's amazing, right? That just is small seeds. It's small seeds. He was a student. He probably didn't get very much. But he, he gave, right? He wanted to invest. He wanted to be um, in this uh, with the Lord and experience that. And then there's testimonies right across the church of, of other people that have given. I mean, we even heard a testimony over the summer um, from Annie Remo, where somebody just blessed them with a financial gift that enabled them to buy a house. I mean, it's just incredible what God is doing. And God's heart is that we cultivate this, if you like, kingdom attitude, um, whereby we recognize that what we actually physically possess isn't really what we physically possess. We just steward it on behalf of the Lord. And at the right time, he causes money in and out, in and out. I know that's hard when your bank statement says that it comes from an employer, but I would suggest just scrub that out and just put God. Money comes in from the Lord. Right? Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray. If the band want to come up. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are, um, Lord, thank you that you are a God of abundance. Um, Lord, thank you that you do supply all we need. Um, Lord, thank you that you provide uh, miraculously. Uh, Lord, thank you that you, um, Lord, you want our heart. Lord, you look for how we respond. Uh, Lord God, you aren't concerned with numbers. Um, Lord, you look for how we, how we respond to the situation. And Lord, we just, Lord, we just, I just feel like there's, 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 there's quite a few of us across the room. Um, and God, and uh, God's just pinpointing just even the concept of stewardship. Um, whether, whether, whether you've not really explored that before, um, or you've not really worked it through as a concept, what that might mean. Um, or perhaps you did once, um, but things just got messy, life got crazy. Um, and I just really feel like God, God, wants, to, God wants to just pinpoint um, a godly um, order and godly stewardship um, to your life. Um, and that, that, that will look different, in as, that will look as many different ways as there are people in the room. Um, but God just wants to pinpoint and, and, and just kind of give you a grace for his stewardship. He wants to give you grace to be generous, not reckless, generous. So Lord God, we do just pray, Lord, would you cultivate within us, um, Lord, an attitude that is generous towards your kingdom. Lord, an attitude that is rich towards you. Lord, we want to be people that are marked by richness towards God. Lord, all that you have us, all that we have is a gift of your grace anyway. 
And so, Lord, we just fling ourselves on your grace and just say, Lord, wherever priorities are out of sync, um, Lord, wherever we might have been seduced by the world, Lord, wherever we might have listened to the lies of money um, and wealth and status and influence and all that that promises, Lord, we just say that we repent of that. Lord, we recognize, Lord, that you are Lord and you are sovereign. And Lord, we recognize that the earth is yours and the fullness thereof. Lord, we just say in our hearts, Lord, that you, you reign over all. Lord, you reign over all. Amen.